a recap of the Super Bowl commercials, and what everyone drank at the bar. California no longer has to have that funk. They're giving up the funk. A new low-cal, low-carb, low-fun, active lifestyle beer brand. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, basically the Kansas City cheese of the podcast world in that no one thought we'd accomplish anything and we probably never would have without a massive government psyop involving a pot star, the Illuminati, gray aliens, and a pot of petunias, I think. Uh, we're still waiting for our psyop, but the point stands. Wake up, sheeple. It's all connected somehow. I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> Tyler Zimmerman. And why weren't the lizard people involved is what I want to know. Because they didn't. Because all the ad space is bought up by November 2023, and they just didn't get on top of it. That's why. I, maybe next year they'll they'll have a showing. Now knowing that there's a deadline, they were kind of new to the uh, to the uh, to Super Bowl world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Can't complain. Um, uh, today, uh, just before the podcast, I discovered that it was possible. Um, to send a breakup pizza to somebody this year. Uh, pizza Hut was apparently... Who'd you send a breakup pizza to that you were not <laughs> in a relationship with? Because uh, I didn't get a pizza. <laughs> that would be a fantastic way to tell you that I was over this podcast nonsense. Just be like, have <laughs> somebody ring your door with a heart with a, with a heart-shaped honey was it's one of those hot honey pizzas, which is I, nothing says I'm over you like a pizza that is basically a cry for help in and of itself. Like we <laughs> we covered a pizza in honey because America. Um, <laughs> uh, I have had some hot honey pizzas that are actually really good. Uh, I mean, the combination sounds it is sound. It's just I, just something about dumping honey all over a pizza that is. I to dump your honey? Yeah. Uh, to, uh, I'm surprised it took me that long to figure that one out. Uh, <laughs> but I I couldn't help but spare a thought for the delivery drivers who multiple times today had to have the conversation similar to, I, I know you didn't order a pizza. This, this is a breakup pizza. Okay, okay don't cry. So, so am I going to get a tip? <laughs> Um, that, that's what I'd be pissed about. I'd be like, dude, I'm getting stiffed on some fucking tips. <laughs> Best case scenario, some revenge sex. That's, that's what you're, you get to participate in. Like <laughs> she's so pissed off. She drags you in and rides you like a cowboy. And <laughs> and every teenage boys, like porn fantasy has been achieved. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my evening um, just before uh, signing on, and I uh, I just need to share that with uh, with the world. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody! Uh, so, <laughs> question is, did you order a pizza for someone? I did, and not. just like fuck with someone, <laughs> like uh, just like send it to a random person and be like, I think we need to break up, and leave no name, no nothing, like. If even if I was so inclined, uh, the deadline had passed, and it's only available in New York, Chicago, and Miami. Find an address in New York, Chicago, or Miami. 
I mean, you're not. I, listen, you're you're right. This was a missed opportunity to just fuck with someone at random. Uh, and the, also they had to be in uh like two days ago, and I found out about it tonight. So the temporal logistics uh. did not uh pad out in my favor. Um, so no, I was not. I was not uh, able to just randomly send a heartbreak pizza to a stranger in Chicago this year. Maybe next year. I don't know. Um, a heartbreak pizza to a stranger in Chicago is going to be the name of my uh, country breakout hit, by the way. Oh. Tyler, oh, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that. Well, what are you drinking tonight? Well, in the spirit of Super Bowl, and it, I had it readily available in my fridge and cold, uh, I'm drinking, and since it's Valentine's Day, and... Uh, one of my great beer loves is cheap, shitty beer. I'm drinking Miller Lite. Oh my god, you've just given the fuck up, haven't you? <laughs> Hold on, this is probably... The, this is probably okay, the, it's all beer. Hold it up, because this is probably the biggest disparity... Um, uh, that we are that we are sharing on this podcast because um, sort of to tie into um, to a story that I'm doing later in the ep- uh, this uh, this episode, I picked up a bottle of Ale Songs Cherry Parliament. Ooh, nice! So first, describe a Miller Light to anybody who hasn't had a Miller Light. Light, easy drinking, no GHT in it. Yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> kind of like having sex in a canoe. Pretty close to water. <laughs> it's fucking close to water. It's fucking close nope. to water. Yep. Nope. Uh, this is a... Uh, the, the Cherry Parliament is a sour red ale aged with cherry and wi- in wine and bourbon barrels. Um, I get a little bit of like vanilla. A big cherry nose. A touch of vanilla on the uh, on it as well. As far as, as far as the flavor, cherries like pop really big, along with like some Pinot Noir, like jamminess, like organ Pinot Noir jamminess. Um, a little bit of oaky tannins on the back, some decent, like, decent moderate, moderate high tartness. A little bit of um, a little bit of uh, a barnyard funk. Not picking up a lot from bourbon. Not, uh, maybe a little bit in the oak. A touch of vanilla on the cherries, but. Um, not a lot from that particular barrel, but a very nice, moderately tart, uh, yeah, cherry sour. It's 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 quite good. Nice. So uh, anyway, um, let's get this heartbreak pizza. But is it ninety six calories and like two carbs or something like that? Whatever this is supposed to be. No, it is definitely not that. Uh, it's seven and a half percent. And 500 milliliters, it's somewhere along the lines of like, I don't know, uh, like 300 and some. <laughs> the I'm... fact that you like straight up took a guess at it is, <laughs> is more than I would have. <laughs> well, you don't, you, you can't, you can't like semi-accurately uh, uh, guess the amount of calories in a, in a beer. Nope. And Don't that, want to either. And that's why you look the way you look, tons of fun. 
versus versus me. I am I, I am slim. I'm svelte. I am sexy um, as fuck. No a one kilogram of fun. I got I got zero breakup pizzas this year. Uh, you might want to hold off till about ten o'clock when that doorbell rings. <laughs> Well, let's hurry up and get this podcast over so that you can, <laughs> so that you don't have to hear me cry. Oh, <laughs> Tyler's at home going, when's that pizza going to get there? Fuck. All right. I guess I should go ahead and do it. It's awkward if I don't do the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I was hoping at least Jeremy would pull him in for revenge sex. <laughs> no, a revenge pod- podcast. <laughs> This episode all beer. Why Tyler's a twat? Go, man! I just I don't even know who that is. Just am I getting a tip or what? Yeah, like, I'll give you a tip, but you're not gonna like it. It'd be like that Kevin Spacey movie that when it found out he was a fucking creeper, uh, they went back and reshot the whole movie with some other old white dude. Really? Oh yeah. It's like all the money in the world or something like that. They initially shot it. It was like going to come out in like a month. The whole Kevin Spacey thing came out. They pulled the movie, cut all his scenes, reshot all his scenes with some other old white dude and then re-released it like nothing ever. Then released it like (laughs) nothing ever happened. Pulled like all the marketing, remarketed it and just acted like. Kevin Spacey, never heard of him. Never heard of him. We casted old, uh, we had generic old white dude like we cast for most things. I, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Um, this guy uh, t- touched uh, uh, almost no uh, uh, boys or girls. You hadn't, haven't you? I swear to, I swear to <laughs> Almighty God, if you touch, you must so much touched a squirrel. I. <laughs> they check with the legal team. They're like, squirrels are okay, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Squirrel, <laughs> old white man, squirrel fondler. <laughs> oh, and on that note, Tyler, oh. this has gotten, this has already gotten way out of the. Tyler, do you have, what do you have for us today? Well, since Super Bowl Sunday was uh, a couple days ago, and for those of you that don't know or idiots like Jeremy, Woo-hoo! Super Bowl is the largest television event in the United States every year. It Why is do you think I final... wouldn't know that? I'm aware. I'm. I'm. I am not completely unaware of what country I live in. Fair enough. I mean, the Super Bowl is basically responsible for this podcast. So, it do we do we do, we, do is it that time of year? Do we quickly give the uh, uh, give the origin story for it's all beer? Sure. Okay, go for it. Oh, I was gonna let you. Okay. Uh, short. Long story short, we had been talking about doing a podcast for a while. Um, uh, it was the year that uh, AB InBev came out with their uh, their. Uh, it was the the first of the um, the the Bud Light uh, King Court Dilly Dilly fucking Bud Light Night, uh, and they basically were in. They basically accused Miller Light of using corn syrup in their beer. Um, and yep, don't taste any corn syrup. That was <laughs> that was kind of the final straw for us. We decided that uh, we had to start a podcast uh, about beer news uh, for some reason, and the first thing we did was uh, a bitch about AB InBev. And um, five years on, um, God, we've almost come full circle. I, I I almost feel sorry for them half the time. So 
that's yeah that's, that's the uh that's the interesting arc this podcast has taken um but um since that happened this last weekend uh, beer board came out with its 2024 big game on-premise alcohol report uh, if you're like, what the fuck is Beerboard? It is a digital alcohol management solution company. Um, so they kind of know they have a general idea with the companies, the bars and restaurants that pay to use their product. They have an idea, at least in those spots, what everyone was doing for the weekend. Um, so they took a look at the Cities of the competing teams and the host city. So Kansas City, San Francisco, and the host city, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, just an overall draft beer volume was flat nationally. Uh, on the day of the Super Bowl, they saw a increase of only 0.34% when compared to last Super Bowl in 2023. Um the draft style and brand performance. Would you like to guess uh, what the number one style was? American, I mean, American lager, light lager, lager. Light lager? Yeah. Uh, number two was lager. Uh, and number three was IPA. Uh, light lager was, had a decrease of 3.1% this year. Uh, last year they were down 2.3%. So in the last two years, they've dropped 5.4% um, in the volume. Uh, loggers saw an increase of 5.1% in share points, while IPAs saw a 1.9% decrease from last year. Jeremy, can you guess the top poured brand nationally according to this report uh i mean a year ago obviously it would have been bud light and we'll get into reasons why i'm not gonna guess bud light uh uh this time modello no modello was um one of the fastest growing uh that they had and number two but michelob ultra was number one we are lost as a country. Uh, with a 0.7% increase from last year, Michelob Ultra or Modelo had a 16% share growth from last year. And then, oh, no, sorry. Modelo wasn't number two. Bud Light was still number two. Um, Good for and them. Bud Light saw a decline of 31.8% this year in share. Again, we're 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 come full circle. I feel I start I start to feel bad for them. I'm like, oh, good, they didn't completely lose all their. Um, uh, <laughs> the one place Bud Light fared better was in Kansas City, uh, one of the competing cities. Uh, the overall, Kansas City's draft volume was down about 0.3 percent uh, compared to last year. Uh, the top draft choice, like I said, was the Bud Light. It was still down 12.3% compared to 2023. 
just not as much as it was everywhere else in the country that they looked at. In San Francisco, draft volume was up 6.7%. Modelo Especial was number one in California and saw a 14% increase on the day. And then Las Vegas saw a spike of 22% in poor volume when compared to um, 2023. Um, and Michelob Ultra saw the biggest increase in Las Vegas of 59% in volume and 1.5% in share. Decent, I assume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're growing a share where you're already everywhere. So you just went even more places. And then you saw a total volume compared to last year this time of 59%. I mean, that's massive. It also does help that I think Michelob Ultra was like the official sponsor of this year's Super Bowl. So kind of checks out that it's going to be everywhere and be on special and be pushed. Um. But um, that kind of rounds out what where they were looking at drafts. So basically, everything kind of did about the same as it did last year with a few things going up. Bud Light still kind of struggling from their blunder earlier this year and um, people not wanting to re-embrace it. <laughs> Which, I mean... Think the average football fan, it kind of starts to add up when the Bud Light drinker who was a football fan probably wasn't too happy with their marketing campaign. So, <laughs> or or any of the subsequent f- fuck ups afterward. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, to me, it really just kind of drove home that, yeah. People are drinking about as much as they did last year, maybe a little less or a little more, depending where you take a look. I mean, it sounds like we've taken margin of error. It's essentially flat, which is not a bad sign for a uh, a total uh, a total area of the economy that is largely going down. And so the mm-hmm. fact that there is a event, I mean, for you know this time of year, it's an it it's all tied to this one event and. Uh, it would seem that beer drinking is still a uh, ritual when it comes to the Super Bowl. No one's quite ready to embrace White Claw uh, while uh, watching football. At least not any, or whatever the duck fucker is drinking, that hard iced tea. Uh, I think the seltzer that you're looking for would be uh, High Noon. Uh, that's more the sports fans like Wait, seltzer. There's a there's a, spe- there's a specific uh, a seltzer. No, I, I, we're not gonna drink that white claw. We drink high noon because we're sports yeah. fans. Because uh, uh, it was like uh, Barstool Sports uh, is like an investor in it, and so yeah, they all hype it out to their bros and people are goddamn idiots. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Jeremy, uh, what do you got on the Super Bowl? Speaking of have your having your uh, dumb sponge light brains manipulated, beer ads suck news now. Um, 
I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Uh, couldn't give two shits. Uh, not even to, quote, watch it for the ads, which struck me as, that's always struck me as a strange brag. Like someone coming, listen, I'm not interested in meathead millionaires crippling each other and in kind of post-industrial blood sport. I'm too sophisticated for that. I simply watch, uh, I simply watch the, uh, uh, the vacuous corporations hawk their garbage right into my brain in a fancy way. That's what I'm there for. Um, but that, but you know, that's me. Um, the anti-corporate asshole that you know and love. Uh, I assume you did watch the foot, uh, Super Bowl, though, Tyler. It's, I did. Um, how were the ads this year in your professional marketing type person opinion? Overall, eh. I mean, uh, as as far would you would you when you have you paid much attention to uh, Super Bowl advertising? And where would you, would you put this year's ads in general? Like mediocre, worse exceptionally good i mean it sounds like slightly below mediocre okay like the lower meaty part of the bell curve like there were a couple funny ones found it funny that the e-trade babies came back i was like oh hey i remember those from being a kid (laughs) Um, and then yeah it was just like nothing really stood out as like a fucking hilarious commercial um and I kept, man, Jesus must be spending a shitload of money to advertise because there was a lot of Jesus commercials. No, Hobby Lobby. That's Hobby Lobby that's doing that. Oh. And so, no, it's not Jesus. It's someone even. It's 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 someone even uh, uh, bigger than Jesus. It's a billionaire that runs a craft uh, empire. <laughs> what gets me? I have, I I have a whole soapbox I could stand on about Hobby Lobby. But... <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit beyond the purview of this podcast, but who knows? I yes. mean, maybe at the end of it, we'll just like, we got a few minutes. Tyler, go. Um, <laughs> I found this opinion piece uh, uh, from Dave Infante in Vine Pair, and his stance was uh, that advertising, particularly beer advertising, has gone downhill. Um, I really don't have a dog in this fight, so I'm going to defer to you on pretty much all opinions. I'm willing to uh, accept uh, uh, what uh, Infante says uh, at face value, but I don't know. Beer commercials themselves. Thoughts? I only really remember the Budweiser commercial. I don't even know if I remember any other beer commercials. Well, we'll save save your opinion for the Budweiser commercial um, till the end. Well, well, we'll get to them. Um, but uh, I mean, but the, the I think that's a I think that is a uh, is is a uh, is a reasonable statement right there. Say that's a reasonable uh, uh, review right there. There were other ones. I I I they just did not. I don't remember them. Um, uh, uh, Infante waxes poetic about the, a kind of golden age in beer advertisement when beer commercials were not only popular. They created their own cultural phenomenon at times. Uh, lest we forget the most irritating and lingering Budweiser smear in our cultural landscape. You know it, yeah. That oh. was 20 fucking years ago. A child oh conceived God. when that commercial was running is almost old enough to drink the beer and probably, probably recognizes, at least in general terms, what that refers to. Dude, I think my favorite like Budweiser Super Bowl commercial at all times was the Clydesdales playing football, and the it's a zebra as the ref because the stripes. Yeah. Watching the replay and it just keeps like rewinding, and the farmer goes, 
man, this ref's a real jackass. <laughs> and the other farmer looks at him and goes, ah, I think he's a zebra. Cute. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, got the Budweiser Frogs, which, uh, fun fact, that was, oh. actually, that was actually my first beer shirt. Long before craft beer oh. was uh, uh, something anyone, much less my thought myself, thought about. My grandmother, I think, as she was, as she bought me. I think it was her the Budweiser Frog shirt. Now, one might have just. I want to buy the Budweiser Frog Neo. Uh, someone might have some just foul criticism for giving a beer shirt to a teenager, but things were different back then. The yep. uh, his point was at one point they were cultural touchstones. My retort would be, yeah, some of them. Other times. It was a horse that full-on farted in a woman's face. I remember that one. <laughs> I don't remember that one. But... I seemed to, I, I think it was a Budweiser commercial, and there was it was this. It was a year when people were losing their shit a little bit more than they normally would. Oh my god, these t- commercials are so tasteless. And one of the ones I remember that them pointing to was, yeah, a horse lifting his tail and full-on blasting ass in a woman's face. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I think it was a Budweiser commercial. I can't, I'm not 100% sure, but I remember that being a factor. I can't tell you anything else uh-huh. about it. <laughs> um, but talking about Budweiser, I, talking about Budweiser, I find it interesting that Infante wax nostalgic about glitzy beer commercials when a selling point of craft beer, especially early craft beer, was the fact that it was above such vapid bullshit. Craft beer didn't need millions of dollars. In fact, Stone spent a whole paragraph... Uh, uh, bragging about how they didn't. Uh, it was about selling a good product as opposed to recycle raccoon urine. People would drink it willingly and not have their neurons all dilly-dilly into fucking submission so they could put a funnel down your consumer hole and pee directly down your gullet. But on the other hand, that was then. Maybe Dave Infante was a fan of beer ads back in the day regardless of what they were peddling. Or maybe, as all seem, uh, beer seems to be facing an apocalyptic marketing condition... Uh, we've sort of made peace with the corporations buying up what's left of the smoking landscape, and we decided to just admire the evil empire's handiwork back in the day. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, again, uh, I think we've come full circle almost feeling sorry for uh, Budweiser. Maybe that's like a that's a, a whole thing like, oh, come on, buddy. It's okay. Uh we, we, no we, fun kicking them while they're down. We've seemed, we seem to be even pining away for a time when Bud Light had the balls to release Brood the Hard Way. Do you remember that? That got mm-hmm. that put a burr up every every craft beer lover's asshole for like a for like a week after that commercial came out. Holy shit, we were we were impossible to be around. <laughs> All of us. I distinctly remember, like, for a week after that, us making, like, uh, a fake... I think that was what started Emo Budweiser back in the day, actually. That was. That um, was. I, I wonder that it was a, a fake... It was Twitter. the precursor to this podcast. It was a... Yeah, it was a, 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 a spoof Twitter account that I've long since deleted after just going, I... No, let's just... just let's, let's, let's not uh, uh, even... Just on the off chance the list will ever be traced back to me, let's just delete this. But where are, are are you admitting it on on a podcast? Yeah, but nobody listens. Uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, occasionally uh, uh, accusing rival brewers of filling their beer with corn syrup. Um, so this year, what was on offer? Well, Bud Light still reeling what from what PTSD riddled Budweiser distributors still refer to only as the event. 
uh, they decided to roll out the Bud Light Genie. Uh, the genie. Oh, uh, I do remember that one. The genie himself, who looked like what would happen if Freddie Mercury was tragically born without taste, shame, self-awareness, or any semblance of talent. Um, he poofs Peyton Manning, Post Malone, Dana White for some reason. I'm guessing they are so desperate for approval they will give a, you a commercial if you just tell a bunch of burly functional Andrew Tate rejects. That's their patriotic duty to guzzle your piss. Um, no, because Bud Light paid a fuckload of money to sponsor UFC. Uh, that too. I mean, look, listen, buying friends is still having friends. And if that's, <laughs> and if those are the friends you can get, well, so be it. It was dumb. It was annoying, but it didn't seem to be trying to stir up trouble. Thoughts? No, I mean, it was lighthearted. It was funny. It was, they were trying to do the old same playbook of the be funny, be whimsical, be, oh, that'd be so cool. Um, and just roll on. Uh, they did have all the actors from that box or that commercial in a box at the game. And right after that commercial was then cut to them at the game. (laughs) See, these people like us, please still like us. (laughs) Uh, the next one on the list was the Budweiser commercial, the one that you remember, which was the tearjerker about a distributor braving a snowy mountain pass to deliver a keg to a snowbound bar. Uh, it's got horses. It's got the Clydesdales. It's got a dog making out with said Clydesdale. It's got so much grit, glory, that at least one executive probably jizzed red, white, and blue in his pantaloons just from seeing it. I don't know. That was the one you remembered. Uh, but again, yeah. it, it's that's the, there's the, you got two like Bud Light does the ooh we're being all whimsical and Budweiser does the like the semi serious like we're fancy. Well, not oh well no we're we're fancy, but in like a hard American working way. class yeah. Yeah. yeah we're 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 working class fancy. We polished our boots and brushed the dog shit off of them <laughs> and put on <laughs> yeah, pants. I, I was unimpressed with that commercial. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I, I know plenty of distributor people. Ain't no fucking distributor delivery drivers going to be like, yep, there's a travel, uh, don't travel order put out right now. It's dumping snow. Let's load up this unheated, uncovered wagon full of half barrels. Then... Ride through a mountain pass to get to this podunk bar that everyone's sitting at getting hammered because they can't go anywhere. And then wheel it in and be like, whoa, we're here with the beer. They'd be like, I'm going back to bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, the, the, the part that I think, uh, yeah, besides. Fuck, you get beer delivery drivers that bitch about having to take a cake downstairs. Well, and a little bit rich since uh, uh, Budweiser is among the uh, uh, beer distributors facing a possible strike coming up through the Teamsters. So um, good luck with that. <laughs> Hopefully they see the commercial and uh, you know, think longingly about their corporate masters. But uh, historically, that's not been the case. Um, <laughs> Michelob Ultra 
had Lionel Messi playing soccer on a beach while waiting for a beer to be poured. Uh, um, at some point, Dan Marino, while standing on a boat called the Dan Marina, catches a soccer ball and says, Dan the man, for some reason, threatening so much self-referential navel-gazing as to break space-time. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the Lazo dude. I do now remember that. Lazo, I... I I I watched all of them that I and that one was like Jason Kudikens or yeah that dude the Ted yeah. Lazo the I the, I I've been told uh, that I need to watch that show and I don't give a shit so I haven't um, but the commercial was okay so he's just playing soccer on a beach and there's Dan Marino it's yeah as as um, as. Well, so he tries to order a Michelob Ultra, but the bartender pours one for his two friends, and as she's pouring the one for him, the keg kicks. Yes. She's like, oh, sorry, we'll have to go another beer. And he's like, no, I'll wait, go change the keg. And then someone kicks the soccer ball over to him. And then so he just goes and murks, which if anyone got close to stopping a soccer player of that level as a random schmuck on the beach, like, he should be drawn and quartered. Like, of course you're going to mark all these Joe Schmoes that are hammered on this beach. <laughs> and then she, he scores a goal, basically, uh, when she's like, Mr. Messi, your your beer's ready. Uh, is, as uh, Infante pointed out, it was basically, look, we've got sports guys. You like sports guys. Oh, how we love our sports guys. Michelob Ultra for sports guys. Um, uh, 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 Bolson Coors for only the second year uh, in a row for being able to uh, being able to run their commercials during the Super Bowl. And after a four way clusterfuck from last year, on which oh, which brand are we going to feature? Uh, surprise, all of them, and also DraftKings for some reason. Um, this year. Uh, there was a train that froze everything, including uh, a nearby couple of dude bros on a beach in the middle of their Corona ad. I that was actually I was kind of like <laughs> um, LL Cool J was driving the train, and it, that was fine. Um, Infante mentioned that it didn't bring anything new; it just adds more to their chill train campaign. But I, of, of all the commercials, I was like, okay, I, I kind of that one. I'm like, eh. as, I missed that one. I... As as ad as. As beer ads go, and you can already t you can probably feel my ambivalence through the uh, uh, through your uh, headphones at the moment, or car radio, or however you're getting this. Uh, it's like, yeah, that was fine. I was, yeah, I it's, it was it was nice to see uh, Miller Coors sort of give a, uh, a give a, a roundabout fuck you to AB InBev. Um, but yeah, I don't even remember that one. Nope. So I must have been going pee or something. At best, I guess the point was, at best, they were like, eh. And at worst, they were like, hmm. Or, or at worst, I mean, given the fact that the the whole point is to stick in your mind, um, we're two out of, we're two out 50% for you, at least. Uh, I remember three out of the four on unassisted recall. I remember one out of the four. <laughs> So what gives? Well, Infante says uh, some of the blame belongs on the at the feet of the right wing hate farmers for screaming woke at Bud Light until they cowered in the corner like a naughty puppy who did a tinkle on the carpet. But if you're going to blame them, 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna both sides this one. Uh, Dave Infante, among the Golden Age ads that he brought up, he brought up Spuds McKenzie and the Chorus yeah. Twins as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, there's a lot they got away with in decades past that would have people getting apoplectic on TikTok. And by the way, paid handsomely for it as well. Uh, <laughs> while I think it's better overall to have gotten to a place where a model pressing your D-cups barely contained in a bikini against the screen is considered in bad taste, we didn't get here because beer execs finally looked into the mirror and decided they need to be more respectful to women. It came because of real blowback and blowback that's still waiting to be unleashed if even you so show so much as a side boob so let's not so yeah the the hate farmers have something to do it but you're playing to an audience that is almost sure to go shit throwing ape insane the minute you say anything that makes them remotely sad and then they're going to throw out the most if when you're doing that if you got a the a population as tense as we are now they're just going to throw out the most non-offensive drivel they can, they can, which of course led to a spoof ad on the late show by uh, Stephen Colbert. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to play this through the podcast uh, uh, in a way that you could hear it. I couldn't figure out how to do that, but that's okay because I can just read the text of the ad and you get the joke. Um, and it was, and it just imagine while I'm reading this, um, just imagine like stock beer drinking footage, like, like, Every ad, like beer ad you've seen, you know, uh, pe beer going to glasses, people enjoying themselves. Well, Jeremy, I think we can share our screen. Uh, I th I'll just go read. It'll be it'll be just easier okay. if I read this. Uh, looking for a beer that has no agenda? Then try Neutral Light. Just one sip, and you'll say, "Mmm, I feel nothing." Neutral Light is an adequate beer to share with your friends that are gay or straight or not gay or straight. Whatever, we're cool with it. Neutral light. We agree with whatever you think. What's hilarious is Bud Light's hard or Anheuser Busch's hard seltzer is called Neutral. <laughs> um, and there's a there's even a bigger problem than, than the culture wars. Uh, the real problem is that the Super Bowl is the headline event of a medium that's increasingly getting irrelevant. For people my age and younger, and remember, I'm 42 fucking years old, I know. Uh, the Super Bowl is really the only time we engage with network television if we do it all. It's still the biggest advertising event on, uh, on broadcast television, but as Infante points out, none of the car companies even bother to try to put anything in. Miller Lite did an internet campaign featuring Rob Riggle's nipples for some reason, but they just... <laughs> <laughs> look it up it's essentially what they did was a running of the beer ads uh where they just had a bunch of ad they basically uh uh it was a audience participation as well i didn't look too much into it but among them was like uh people from ads in years past just like running a 10k including rob riggles with his chest painted uh again nipples prominent um the media landscape has been smashed to dust, and that pretty much marks the end of signature events uh, in advertising or television in general. Uh, nothing that's likely to become anything that brings us... There, there is no going to be was up anymore, and thank God. Or as Infante ended his piece, quote, 
Super Bowl 53's beer commercials are pitching to an imagined American middle that barely exists on the other side of the screen. The ads are rote, over-reliant on celebrity, and instantly forgettable, as Tyler just demonstrated. Uh, they'll barely exist after the Super Bowl is off screen. It's not the way things were, but it's the way things are now. Grieve accordingly. To which I reply, good. Fuck them. But then again, I'm a curmudgeonly anti-corporate asshole. Tyler, do you have... Are you are, are you are you shedding a tear for the beer commercials of old? I am, I am. Uh, I think this is my anchor moment. Really, this is oh. So if I had a GoFundMe to uh, to bring back to to make a beer commercials great again, you'd go. Yeah, I'll give you <laughs> twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> just one more WhatsApp or just yeah. Give me a uh, a, a dilly dilly for old time's sake. No, I was never a Dilly Dilly fan. <laughs> no um, one was a Dilly Dilly fan except for I actually did like I was I was in bars after that aired and listened to people out in the wild go like raise their glass and go Dilly Dilly. I'm like, oh yeah, you fucking it, it happened a lot. Uh, God damn. Uh, 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 um, anybody who did that um, and then later claimed to have uh, free will, fuck you. Um, Tyler, what's, uh, what's next? Well, there's a new beer company out of Boston, um, uh, called hero 95. Um, so it is a crisp, low calorie lager, a high end, low calorie, low carb beer brewed for active lifestyles. I hate it. Uh, make it go away. It's for- <laughs> when I saw for active, I was like, "Oh, this is a lifestyle brand for Jeremy." Like, you saw <laughs> that does sound like something that you would make up just to irritate me. Yeah, I wish I was. Uh, <laughs> so it's a four percent alcohol beer, ninety-five calories, three point six carbs, uh, and developed by beer industry veterans, formerly from Boston Beer Company. What is up with Sam Adams? They, ah, they, they have lost their way. I'm just. So this company is made up from uh, one of the founders is Todd Simon, a former brand strategist for Boston Beer Company, head brewer, David Sips, former brewer at Sam Adams and cider maker at Angry Orchard. Um, Brewing, brewing, uh, Boston Lager and Angry Orchard so broke the man that this is was 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 what he wanted to do. Is he punishing the world? Is this like his his form of fuck you to everybody? Uh, they also have as an advising partner Rich Doyle, who is the former co-founder of Harpoon Brewing. Um, but the Harpoon, I should know what that is. Uh, back east. Okay, I think oh, I've. I'll say like northeast, you know, like Massachusetts. I think I ran into their beer, and until this moment, probably mistook it for Anchor. <laughs> um, but the idea of this was uh, born from Todd Simon looking for beer choices that would not only fit his active lifestyle but also tasted good. He realized there wasn't a lot of options. And they just weren't cutting it on taste and brand value perspectives. I'm sorry. What are the 
what the fickety fuck are you doing that you can't fit a beer in? I, I seriously, I maybe maybe I'm a bad example, but you can fit a beer into your life, and if your life is too oh I'm too active to chug a decent beer, then I don't know. Hard seltzer. What the, the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> so. They decided to create What's wrong Hero with 95. fucking Michelob Ultra? I mean, besides everything. <laughs> See, there you go, defending but AB again. <laughs> this is what you brought me to. Uh, but uh, it's a vision that goes beyond the pint glass, according to Simon. Uh, Hero 95 is born from the spirit of everyday heroes. This includes both the traditional heroes who serve our communities every day, and also the hero within all of us. Oh, go um, fuck yourself. <laughs> yep. Go fuck yourself hard. Yep. <laughs> he actually typed, someone actually typed that sentence non-ironically into a, I'm guessing a website, or is that on every yeah. can of this shit? Uh, this is an article slash like press release. That I saw at craftbrewingbusiness.com. A human typed that sentence in and didn't immediately go hit delete. Go, no, that's too fuck. That's too fucking corny. My God. I'm like laying it on thick, man. (laughs) That's the kind of thing I would say as a joke and then erase it going, eh, that's that's too far. Uh, But they're committed to supporting the community. Including charities chosen by the drinkers. Uh, With the launch of the beer, Hero 95 is unveiling their Hero 95 Boost campaign. Which is... I pulled it up here. Uh, So, Hero 95 will donate $95 to up to 95 people who are age 21 have a registered and active fundraising page and are actively planning on running the 2024 Boston marathon. You need to submit a brief summary that explains what cause you are raising money for and why it is meaningful to you. You, and this must be your first time running the Boston marathon. Um, and you can get, um, $95 donated to you potentially. Um, they're going to be doing more events throughout the year. Eligible events can include anything from road races to 5Ks, marathons, cycling events, triathlons, CrossFit challenges, golf outings, and more uh, that you're doing to help fundraise for some sort of foundation. But that is the new brewery hitting the boston area so if you are in the boston area you can find their six six pack of 12 ounce cans and retailers near you soon as well as on draft at select bars and restaurants the six pack is suggested to run between 10.99 and 12.99 and it's a lager with two row pale malt a touch of munich malt and noble hop varieties this had better fall flat on its face in Boston, or I, or I'd know nothing about that city. I guess all the angry Celts have been run out of that city. I'm guessing 
there, I'm assuming, but I'm, I, yeah, there was, a, there was a time that uh, uh, that that uh, uh, I think they would have uh, 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 thrown that six pack at your head and and uh, kicked you into the street. But again, uh, it's like I need Bill Burr to just come unglued on this. That yeah, I mean, essentially, what you would get is a population full of drunken Bill Burrs, which is to say, a Bill Burr. Uh, <laughs> but I again. So I, if we have any listeners around there that want to buy us a six pack, you can send reach out. We'll give you an address to send it to, and we'll try it live on the podcast. I'd rather have a breakup pizza. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do we got next? What the fuck happened to sour beer news? Now um, there was it's a dead. time. Oh, okay. Well, this has been It's All Beer, uh, if you want to know. Um, There was a time, a rather magical time, toward the end of the height of the craft beer craze, uh, after they'd picked all the low-hanging fruit from the European beer styles vine. They'd brought back pale ale, India pale ale, delved in the German tradition, really, really did the India pale ale, did did it even harder, made it a session, made it a, a, uh, uh, a extra pale ale, made it a pale ale made it an extra extra pale ale put an x in front of it um that was later but my point is 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 there was a um once they got uh felt once once they pretty much brewed everything they'd ever brewed in europe they found the little known gems still being produced although in very small numbers uh they were the wild fermented beers that were nothing like the world had really been introduced to uh and then they were a huge craze for a second, and then they weren't. Uh, this comes from the San Francisco Chronicle by Esther Mobley. It documents the rise and fall of sours around California and Central California specifically, but a similar story has played out over much of the country, or at least I felt it here in where I sit in Idaho. And if I felt it here, I guarantee you it reached beyond just us in California. Um, you know, it, I actually selected the uh, uh, this one because uh, Ale Song came into uh, town uh, last year, uh, and it was at one point in time. Ale Song was one of those those breweries that people would bring in. They're like, "Oh my god, I just brought the you know I was you know in Oregon. I found this beer. It's fantastic, and people were clamoring for it. Um, I brought a couple of cases of it in." when uh when they came into town and they're still there they are still almost all of them are still hanging about um and so i went ahead and grabbed one is uh i we're we're even considering doing away with the uh with with that with that particular door in our in our in our shop just because damn there's i you get some movement you get some movement but largely uh, that that door looks pretty much like it did a year ago, and the and if current trends hold, it's gonna look a lot like it does uh, in a year. Luckily, the beers and don't don't uh, uh don't age particular. I mean, they age particularly well, but you still want to see the fucking beer move. Um, you don't want to just be sitting on that money. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh back in the day. God, that was, it, it, you know, speaking of waxing nostalgic, the height of beer nerdism, uh, where the release of something is like pedestrian as a t- sour beer with cherries. Cherries, damn you, would have 
brought a lineup bespectacled bearded men line up around the block. Um, Rare Barrel out of Berkeley was a big name. Saint Andreas uh-huh. Rustic, uh, Saint Andreas Rustic Ales out of Capitola, uh, Yeast of Eden, uh, Russian River with their sour lineup still highly sought after. Um, sour, funky, fruity, rustic. Horse blanket was a term that got thrown around a lot, much to the chagrin of those who had no idea what was happening around them. Um, horse blanket can be a good thing. In fact, it's actually quite a nice thing, uh, just depending on how you feel about horses. Um, it was a redesign. And if you want them to be warm and cozy, it's a great thing. Uh, and, you know, smell a little bit uh, horsey. Um, it was a rediscovery of what beer was and could be. And it transcended beer, which is more of an engineering or a mechanical art. And winemaking, which was much more of an agricultural art, and it blended the two. For the first time, beer had a terroir, as wine enthusiasts would describe it. or That is to say that the beer produced in that place could not be produced anywhere else. The environment that created that beer was part of it. You could not reproduce it anywhere else in the country. Uh, but as Adair Patero, uh, uh, the owner of uh, St. Andrenas, mentioned in the article, quote, We've seen a decrease in the craze. Uh, bottles still sell here and there. Uh, they do eventually sell out, but it's more of a trickle, which, yeah, that sounds about accurate. And I'm talking specifically about wild fermented sour beers. We'll get into their prodigal children soon enough, but... Uh, these are the beers that are largely out of European tradition, which are to say like your Lambics, your Flanders Reds, uh, your Old Bruins, and then all your American uh, versions thereof, which sometimes just became creations in and of themselves. This is a great example. Um, uh, it uh, it mentions uh, a, a a host of different uh, uh, microorganism uh, microorganisms um, actually fairly proudly where is it on there uh, the uh, microbes Brettanomyces Saccharomyces lactobacillus um, uh, uh, double barrel aged in wine barrels and whiskey barrels you know in the in the general spirit uh, American spirit particularly of if it's worth doing it's worth overdoing. <laughs> uh, uh, it was the stuff of myth and legend. Uh, uh, well, um, it, sorry. Um, uh, largely started in California um, and indeed the rest of the country of around, around 2012. Um, that was when both Rare Barrel and St. Andreas was founded. Um, I don't know. Do you remember, 2012, where were where were you and had sour beers entered your lexicon yet? Uh. No, because technically I wasn't old enough to drink. But you were drinking. Yeah, not craft, really crafty <laughs> at that time. That is, that would probably not be a thing you reach for as an underage. Like, like, what do you want? Like, you're 19. What do you want to drink? Oh, a really nice, like, funky, t- tart, sour beer. That would be what I'm going for. Yeah. If, nah. for, if for no other reason, then you can't chug these and get shit-faced. You just can't. Yeah. You are going to hurl. <laughs> yep. These have the kind of these kind of have the kind of acid that'll take the enamel off your teeth if you let them. So, uh, 
<laughs> there's there are uh, festivals, uh, and specifically like, um, uh, well, I I I started to hear about sour beers around this time. Um, uh, I had yet to run into one. It would be probably another four years before I finally would uh, run into one. It would be 2015, 2016 before I finally got a hold of one. Um, I think it'd be about the same for me. Um, by that point in time, it was, um, the, the, it had well taken off, um, sour Sunday. Um, it was held as part of uh, San Francisco beer week. Uh, it was becoming the place where beer nerds went to achieve pure nerd Vana. And as legend has it, as I understand, they kept a, a great big old bin of, uh, of, uh, Tums, uh, handy for, <laughs> for people, uh, uh, tasting because a lot of sour is a lot, uh, but the event was described by John Martin, uh, owner of one of the brew pubs. Uh, he described uh, the event in rather modest terms like this. We always loved imports, but when we saw all these brewers in California experimenting with sours and barrel-aged beers, it was really exciting, growing segment of the market to the point where um, uh, he actually started his own brewery that sponsor that specialized in sour beers, uh, Drake's Brewing. Mm. Um, it was. I've been to Drake's Brewing. How was it? Do you remember? Delicious. Uh, I went to their Oakland tap room uh, and then proceeded to be stuck in the Oakland airport for like eight hours after that. So, you know. <laughs> uh, which is the prime place to be stuck in this world, I think. It was. Yeah, it, another level of hell I never wish to go back to. Um,. Not only was it interesting, but there was a thirst for it. From 2012 to 2016, there were like years where the, these were the years where liners stretch around the block. Bottles would disappear from shelves in a matter of days. Picking them up through beer trading websites was almost a competitive sport. Um, and then almost overnight, bottles that wouldn't have survived a day on the shelf began collecting dust. Um, Part of it was good old-fashioned oversaturation. A lot of sour is, as I mentioned, a lot. Uh, to quote Martin from the article again, quote, Sours are not for everyone, even at Sour Sunday. After you've had a bunch of them, oh boy, it can be a little bit too much sour. Um, after that dip in sales to be, uh, uh, well, that dip in sales proved to be uniquely devastating for this style of beer. Um, sours are from a pure material standpoint, relatively cheap to produce, especially if you did, don't get all wild and crazy with the fruit additions, but also people were getting wild and crazy with the fruit additions. But also, there's a long period between the initial production and return. Um, there's a lot of overhead, when it, uh, especially when it comes to storage. Uh, St. Andronius... It's so a lot of space to store all these wild ales. Uh, they would store their uh, uh, sours for a full year, and that's really not outside the norm. Uh, you have to sit on these beers for months, if not years, before the character fully develops. And then there is the unpredictability of the project. Um, it's weird to think about now, but here in Idaho, Grand Teton Brewing went into sours in a big bad way. Uh, they were producing they were producing some stuff out out in Victor that I would put up against Russian River or Rare Barrel any day. Not saying it was better, but it was competitive. Their stuff was some of those good. American sour series that they did were phenomenal. 
Um, I had the privilege of being able to tour their facility right at the end of this craze. Uh, and they pulled some samples out of barrels for us to try. And it was really eye-opening to show not only how the process worked, but also in some cases how much it didn't. Like it was surprising how many barrels had just turned out bad. Like through, mm-hmm. like no other, this was just, it was, you kind of a roll the dice. It was part of the game. You put a bunch of things in a barrel. Would it turn out good? Well, hopefully, maybe. The very nature of what you're producing makes it uh, unpredictable. And the microorganisms that play uh, can be fickle. Even if you have like a solid house strain going, it's just, There could be something that survived in that barrel and turns the batch to fucking vinegar. Well, or, I mean, mutations in specific microorganisms. And typically Mm -hmm. you're not, the whole point is you're not controlling what's, uh, what's, you know, you're not rigidly controlling what organisms are at play like you are in normal brewing. So um, it's, it sounds wrong to say your sanitation isn't as good, but let's, that's kind of the, I mean, your sanitation is kind of the opposite of what you're trying to do to a certain degree, but that also means other organisms are being introduced and, uh, it's, it's one barrel could be sur- sublime perfection and the other one, a fucking disaster. They mentioned, and you could have done the same thing or even split the batch and, they were uh, the article mentioned uh, in, at Rare Barrel. Um, I mean, even even I mean, not tasting like feet and blue cheese. Uh, uh, they mentioned like uh, trying a barrel and then dumping it, uh, dumping a barrel that would have been worth fifty thousand dollars because it just wasn't good enough. It just wasn't mm-hmm. as good as they felt comfortable putting out. I'm I'm assuming, um, and. From a craft and traditional standpoint, it's interesting and weirdly invigorating. But from a business standpoint, it's fucking brutal. And especially once the shine wears off and the bottles that people were clamoring for a year ago are now a shelf turd. Uh, the the amount of time, effort, and everything else that goes into these beers suddenly goes from goes from being a a something to pursue to being at best a vanity project and and mm-hmm. um also a lot of what people may have found interesting or desirable about mixed fermentation beers sort of got eaten up by kettle sours and that's the bastard child I was talking about they're much easier to produce they're much faster they're predictable um but you're back to making beer into a mechanical process very, very shortly. I don't know. Tyler, you experimented with uh, kettle sours more than I did. You want to give the overall? <laughs> Tyler uh, makes some on, fantastic on, uh, copper cleaner. <laughs> on the industrial scale, it's a lot easier to like monitor that and then the homebrew scale. But, I mean, it's... They're okay. Like kettle sours were what got me in with the gozas, and uh, I don't know the last time I've had a kettle sour though. Uh, I got into the wild fermentations, and I still think there is a market for wild fermentation. Uh, I wouldn't be going out to invest in a barrel warehouse or a full sour facility, but I think breweries doing a couple barrels a year uh, as like fun one-off projects 
I can hundred percent get behind. Um, uh, uh, kettle souring just for for if you're uh, if you're kind of wondering what the difference in the process is. Essentially, you take your wort, you add you you add lactobacillus. So you're controlling the uh, the organisms going in, and you raise you raise the temperature to where they can work, and you let them work to the point where the pH falls exactly where you want it to. Like every time you go, I mean, if your pH needs to start at three point two, you let them work long enough until you till you take your and, the, and then you boil it to kill all the bad or all the bacteria and organisms in there that you don't want and then you pitch your yeast to get your alcohol so typically kettle sours are lower alcohol because the lactobacillus has eaten some of the sugars that the yeast would eat also because um, you're mixing it like 50 50 with fucking fruit puree anymore yeah uh, or if you're Tyler homebrewing, uh, you let it go a little too low to get <laughs> really tart and <laughs> a little, uh, a little too low. It lo- eats all the sugar. <laughs> I still one of the, one of my favorite moments. Like he, Tyler asked me to take a grade. Like, hey Jeremy, can you take a gravity and I I, I get the uh, the a sample and a hydrometer and, and I look at it, I go one one what one one it. <laughs> For, for for who if you don't understand why I'm like apoplectic about one one is the gravity of water like if there's any sugar into it it should be like 1.0 something or other I think you're expecting 1.03 or something it was one yeah. all the sugar was fucking gone it was nothing but water and lactic acid it was beautiful <laughs> that um, was the cleanest my equipment had ever been that's not to say uh, Kettle sours are not as good as wild fermented, uh, at least in my opinion. I, I, They're not as rounded, as full flavor, but, as but complex. Also, I wouldn't put them in the same category. A real, really good fermented wild beer is to a kettle sour what Dom Perignon is to fucking LaCroix. Uh, especially when slushy sours start gobbling up Instagram feeds. Uh, if you want to know... <sighs> If you want to know what my opinion is about slushy sours, go back and listen to any of Tyler's rants that I've prompted in Tyler. That's pretty much my feeling without the unbridled rage. Um, <laughs> if you like, if you like slushy sours, fine, go with God. I maintain what you want is not beer, but if it's keeping you going to local tap rooms and keeping them afloat, so be it. I've made peace with this. Um, these are easier to produce. They are quicker to produce. The results are a sweet lactose fruit bomb. People like that sort of thing. Um, but it has regulated wild fermented beer into a passion project. Um, I'm sad to say Grand Teton Sour Program is over, um, as it is in many breweries. Rare Barrel is now a producer of IPAs. And thank God, because there's certainly no breweries that have produced 12 fucking IPAs on draft. <laughs> uh, yeast of even Eden hadn't produced a new beer since 2022. Um, as for Russian River and Saint Andronius, uh, it's something they do as well. Uh, d- does it bring people into the brewery? Sure, but it's not. They're not chasing the market anymore. They're doing it for something for a reason that's almost quaint these days. They're doing it because they love the craft, they love the style, uh, and they do it for those who also love the craft and love the style. It's a niche product, and weirdly, I like it that way. As much as I will miss the days when wild fermented barrel-aged beers were common to the point of oversaturation, um, simply because all the... I like that there is some weird shit to go get my hands on. It's a bit of a treat now, a true rare find 
a, a, a competitive sport with no competition, which is the kind of competitive sport I fare best in. Uh, you still got the guard holding out pretty strong. They uh, again, there's a there's a few. And, and you, uh, Although Degard did just get into winemaking as well, so... I mean, you have a few places that produce strictly sours, and I always... I, especially now, I worry about the overhead there. Now, maybe... Uh, I Maybe they can make the economics work. Maybe they're going to be... Maybe they're shifting into wine, and, you know, there will be a winery that produce... Sour beers is kind of a one-off. Who knows? Um, I, I don't think they're going away. Uh, no. They're, again, they're going to be rarer to find and and maybe a little bit special that way. So, that's the end of that. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that got really oh good. <laughs> I like, oh, I kind of like, I, I, you know what? I almost wish that that's how I stopped the recording. <laughs> just, just I mean, like, you're the one who edits it, so you I, could. I could. I could just cut it off at that point in time and just be like, if, but, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is do my normal pitch where uh, Tyler... I was going to say, part of me kind of wants you to do that, Jeremy, and then we take like two weeks off and just go radio silent just to see. <laughs> just to see like how people are going... Are you guys okay? Did you like? Is, was that it? <laughs> and and then just send poop emojis uh, and in response. Uh, this has been. Uh, do you have anything else for us, Tyler? <laughs> no. Well, this has been. Uh, it's all beer. Uh, if you uh, if you have an idea on how to end one of our episodes in a really uh, awkward. Uh, 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 awkward fashion or if you'd like to send us a breakup pizza um you can send it to tyler's house uh in nampa as far as where to get that address you can send an email to us at it's all beer at gmail.com uh if you don't want to break us up with us if you'd rather stalk us all creepy like uh, uh you can do that on instagram or on uh or on facebook um uh, you can download our podcast on uh, iTunes or Overcast or listen to it on Spotify and um, or just uh, or, or just wait for it to come down on the feed. I think it's surprisingly uh, a large number of people who listen to it on the feed, which is weird to me, but um, uh, there you have it. Um, and that'll be uh, uh, and, 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 and finishing off in, in awkward fashion. Uh, that'll be quite enough from us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun.